This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. John's Gospel, chapter 10. Chapter 10 of John. And just one verse, verse 10. You know it so well. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it in abundance. What a powerful statement of Jesus. What a wonderful thing that we have given to us on a daily basis, abundant life. What is life? How do you define life? For some people, it's just being alive, it's just existing, it's just the daily grind. For others, it's achievements, goals, accomplishments, aspirations. To the salesman, it would be clenching the deal. To the footballer, it would be scoring the goal. For the politician, a seat on the front benches, or even better still, in the cabinet office. For the athlete, might be the gold medal. Might be winning a world record. For many people, it's just a home, having a partner, decent house to live in, children, good car, two weeks in the sun. But is that what Jesus had in mind when he said, I am come that you might have life and that you may have it in abundance? Of course, all of those things are good. Nothing wrong with any of those things I mentioned. All of them are part of the fabric of life and enjoyable. But if that's all Jesus was talking about, if that's all life is, then you would need an abundance of those things to have abundant life. But yet Jesus said, in Luke 5, 21, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. So it must be much more than that Whatever kind of life you and I had before we met Christ, it wasn't enough. It fell far short of God's ideal. Even if it was the very best life that we could have had, it still is not the abundant life that Jesus is talking about here. Let me just read one or two scriptures and see see if you can spot the common theme in it. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. It wasn't always that way for Paul. Paul could have written before this, for me to live is to persecute Christians. But his life dramatically changed. So he says, from now on, for me to live is Christ. John said, he who has the Son has life. He does not have the Son, does not have life. 
Peter said, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, I am the truth and the life. Jesus said, as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In John 4, I am the water of life. And then he said, and this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In John 1, 14, and him was life, and the life was the light of man. So you can see from those few scriptures that when the Bible talks about life and Jesus talks about abundant life, it's very obvious it's centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything else beyond that may be good in and of itself, but Jesus is the one who has abundant life. There are various types of life that are mentioned in the New Testament. There's suke life, which is natural life, the breath of life. All men possess suke life. If you didn't, you wouldn't be sitting here tonight. It's just natural life, the breath that God has put within us. Then there's bios life which means the means of life, the maintenance life, the livelihood. And all men possess bios life. All of us has livelihood. All of us has a maintenance of life. There's an ongoing life that we need to deal with and work with and, and do. But then there's anastrophe, which is manner of life, behavior of life, conduct, way of life, lifestyle. And all men has an astrophy. All men has a lifestyle, a conduct of life, a manner of life that they live. But then there's Zoe life. And Zoe life is life in the absolute sense. It's the life that God's got. It's the life that the Son of God has got. It's the life that the Son of God imparts to men and women. Jesus said or sorry, it says about Jesus in John 1, 14, and him was life, zoe, and the life, the zoe, was the light or the development of man. So this is the life that God has got, it's the life that God's Son has got, and it's that that develops man spiritually. It's the true life. It's the highest form of life, and only those who are born from above have zoe life. All of us has got suke and bios and nostrophe, but only those born again of God's Spirit has got the zoe life of God. And that's exactly what you have got. I am come that you might have life, zoe life, the God type of life, the supernatural life that God imparted to you when you were born again of the Spirit. It's this life, this zoe life, that changed us that made us different from all other men. If you're a believer, you are different than all other men. How so? How are we different? Well, first of all, we have been given a new nature. 2 Peter 1, 3, 
whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by, we, by these we might become partakers of the divine nature. Suke, bios, anastrophe, none of that will give a man divine nature, only the zoe life of God that Christ imparts gives us the divine nature. Not that we are divine, but that quality of life that he imparts to us. We have a new nature, we have a new start. Isn't it good to know that when you come to Christ, your past doesn't count against you anymore? <laughs> no matter how wild and how bad and how terrible and how sinful and how wicked a life may have been, when that life comes to Christ and surrenders and he imparts his life into that life, then nothing is counted against him that he has ever done before. The slate is completely wiped clean. All sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Isn't it wonderful that your past and my past doesn't count against us anymore? Wouldn't it be shameful? And I've said this before. If God was to put up on that screen tonight all of our sins for everybody to see, we'd be running out that door we'd be looking for a hole to crawl into. But he doesn't. Every sin you ever committed to that moment you get saved were wiped clean. A brand new start. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Romans 8 and 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There used to be a time when all we ever did was walk after the flesh, <laughs> after our own ways, our own desires, after our own whatever we wanted to do, whatever we wanted to say. That was the flesh. But once you get born again of the Spirit, then there is no condemnation. You see, we stood condemned before a holy God. Now, Christ didn't come into the world to condemn men because they were already condemned, the Bible says. We were already condemned. Our sin condemned us. But once you're saved, then there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we have been given a new power. Romans 1 and 12. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. All those things that held us back, all those habits that controlled our lives, when we came to Christ, he broke the power of them. Thank God for that. Amen? Thank God that the power of sin has been broken in our lives. Only God can do that. When Jesus came, he was the Word made flesh. John says, we beheld him as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And they touched him. Not only did they behold him, but they actually held him. They could embrace him. He was the Word literally made flesh and came and dwelt amongst us. And as the living word of life, because that's what he was, in him 
was life. As the living word of life, he came in different ways to different people at different times. To some, it meant health and care. He was the great physician, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 long years suffered many things of many physicians, but rather than getting better, better, she grew worse by the day until she touched the hem of his garment. And suddenly, she was completely and totally healed. The woman that was bowed over for 18 years, lo, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, suddenly could stand up straight again for the first time in 18 years. The crippled man who lay at the pool for 38 years and suddenly he could walk again. And so for some it meant healing, for some it meant the supplying of needs. You know, God's not stingy. <laughs> He's not mean and tight-fisted. God has got an unending supply to meet every need. Remember the miracle of Cana, the marriage feast? Fill the water pots with water of 120 gallons, much more than they would ever need, beyond what they would need. Could have just given them what they needed, but he gave them beyond what they needed. The feeding of the 5,000, 5,000 men besides women and children, all of their stomachs were filled till they could eat no more, and yet there was 12 baskets left over. Those disciples with that miracle catch of fish that there were so many that their boat had begun to sink and their nets were bursting and they had to call their friends. Biggest catch they ever had in their lives. To some it means the supplying of needs. To some it meant forgiveness of sins. You think of the woman taken in adultery. The shame the embarrassment, the humiliation in front of everybody, paraded, scorned, in the temple precincts, in front of everyone. And yet Jesus forgave. What a moment that must have been in her life. Where are your accusers? No man accuse me, Lord. They're all gone. They were all gone. Because not one of them had a leg to stand on. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And they couldn't do it. Because their hearts were pricked. And their conscience was pricked. And they realized that they were just as big a sinner as she was. Peter denied Jesus three times. Can you imagine how much forgiveness meant for him? <laughs> it meant everything to him. To some it meant deliverance from dark powers. The man of Gadara who slept in the, among the tombs, he caught himself. He cried in the middle of the night. He ran around naked, completely out of his mind, tormented until Jesus came and set him free. <laughs> And he was found clothed and sitting and in his right mind. 
Matthew 17 and Mark 9 tells about the little boy who was grievously vexed of the devil. Ha. Huh. Jesus said, how long has he been, I guess? Since a child. And often the father said it would throw him into the fire and throw him into the water. And Jesus cast that wicked spirit out. And the little boy convulsed. And he lay still. They thought he was dead. But he wasn't dead. He was delivered. And he was set free. That is what the life of Christ can do. You and I are told to hold forth the living word of life, Christ. And we're told to hold forth the word of God. Philippians in chapter 2. Verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the days of Christ that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain. Holding fast the word of life. Navy says holding forth the word of life. Holding fast and holding forth. The word of life is a very precious commodity in a world that's dark, that's full of deceit and death. And the word of life here in Philippians 2 is specifically taken to mean the message of the gospel, the good news, the very word of God itself that God has given to us. We're to hold that forth and we're to hold it fast. Paul says hold forth and hold fast. It's two meanings, doesn't it? To hold out and to hold on to you see, you can't hold out that which you haven't held on to. If you haven't held it fast, then you have nothing to hold out. But thank God if you have hold, held the Word of God fast in your life, then when the time comes and you need to hold it out, you can hold it out. You can hold out the written Word, and you can hold out the living Word. You can give your testimony what Christ has done for you. And you can hold out the written word. But you have to hold fast. The Living Bible puts it this way. Holding out to them the word of life. The NIV. As you hold onto the word of life. Vincent and his word study says the verb means to lay hold upon, to apply, to fix attention upon. We can only hold forth what we have held fast. Hebrews 10.23, hold fast the confession of your faith. Hebrews 3.6, hold fast our confidence and rejoicing. 1 Timothy 5.21, hold fast that which is good. What are you holding fast? Whatever you're holding fast, you can hold out. <laughs> because it's become part of you. You know it. You experience it. It's part of your Christian life. Then you can hold it out 
to others. This is the abundant life that's in Christ. We have the only light in a world of darkness. You've noticed, haven't you, how dark the world has become. It's always been dark, but it's becoming darker by the hour. You think you're beyond shock, and then you realize you aren't. You think you've seen it all, and then you realize you haven't. You think you've heard it all, and then you realize, no, I haven't. This is worse. This is terrible. This is dark. The Bible talks about the devil being the God of this world who blinds the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in them. <sighs> Satan is an expert at blinding the minds of those who believe not. Sometimes you watch television and you listen to people and you shake your head and say, how in the world do they believe that? How can they believe that? It's complete foolishness. But most of us at one time were foolish too until the light of God came in, until the life of Christ came in. Then we were awakened to truth and we began to see for ourselves. Philippians 2, 5, But let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, But we have the mind of Christ. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, we have a spirit of a sound mind. Some of the stuff the world talks about, you see the so-called experts, particularly in nature. As much as I love those nature programs, it drives me nuts. Sometimes I have to nearly turn Mr. Attenborough down. I love the stuff that he's showing me, but for the life of me, I can't understand. How can you be so foolish to believe this nonsense? Why? Because their minds are darkened. Can't see it. Have suppressed the truth. But we can see it. Notice here where we are to hold forth the word of life. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation... Boy, this is a crooked and perverse generation we're in, isn't it? There's different generations, but this is the only generation we're ever going to live in. And this is about as crooked as you're going to get that it has been. Yeah, well, it'll get worse as it goes on, but as it has been, looking back, this is a crooked and perverse generation. But among whom you shine as lights in the world. This world is controlled by the spirits of darkness who influence people of influence. Television is controlled by people of influence. Take the gay agenda for an example. Television is full of that agenda. Why? Because there are many producers and directors and story writers, and that is their bent on life. And they've got that position, they've got that platform, so therefore, that's their agenda. That's what... Every program has got an agenda. Every war movie you've ever watched, America has won the whole war. <laughs> what do you call that boy, Bruce Watt? Some of you young ones help me out. Bruce Willis. 
I mean, he's won every battle that's ever been on earth, hasn't he? He's even blown up asteroids. I mean, he's done everything. <laughs> but that's just a silly thing. We know that's nonsense. <coughs> but there are those who've got a, a deeper agenda. And they've got the platform to pursue it. To infiltrate the minds of children. Now they're wanting to teach little children in primary school about alternative lifestyles. And we all know what that means. Will that happen? It's happening. But this is the crooked and perverse generation that we lived in. Why is that? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But Peter says we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Paul says we have been delivered from the powers of darkness and have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Thank God. And this is part of the abundant life that Christ has imparted to us. And we only have the truth in a world of deceit. The world is warped, it's depraved, it's twisted, it's perverted, it's crooked, it's corrupt. And the only yardstick is the Word of God. This is the plumb line. This is the rule of life. And if we set this aside, then you can choose whatever you like. Live whatever way you like. Because there's no yardstick. Your choice is as good as mine or anybody else's if that's the case. But when you look into the Bible and you see what God has written and what He has said, then that's the measuring stick. That's what we measure our lives by. Not by what the Word teaches, what the Word teaches. Imagine a government whose yardstick is the Word of God. Imagine a country, a nation, governed by the Word of God. Listen, there are nations tonight that are governed by the Quran. And I mean completely governed from the top to the bottom. Every aspect of a life is governed by the Quran in some nations. What would it be like if every aspect of life is governed by the Word of God? How much better would we be? Imagine if television was submitted to the Word of God. Wouldn't that be something? Think how differently India would be without Hinduism or Japan without Shintoism, or China without communism, hmm? or this world without the God of consumerism, because that's the God of the Western world, isn't it? Do you notice how secular the Western world is becoming all the time? And you notice how the more secular a nation becomes, the more Islam takes over. Sweden is one of the most secular nations in all of Europe. And Islam has made massive inroads. Why? Because people didn't care about religion. It's just a religion. We know there's more, there's more than just a religion, isn't it? It's a complete way of life that wants to totally take over and dominate. We only have life in a world of death holding forth the word of life. What a terrible cycle of sin and death this world is held in. 
Paul said in Romans 8 and 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death brought sickness and disease and war and destruction and murder and hatred and brokenness and bitterness. It's a cycle, and it's an awful, terrible cycle. And it just continues. And only Jesus can break that cycle. Law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from that cycle of sin and death. So we can hold out the word of life. We can hold out this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus because that's the only thing that's going to set men and women free. It's the only thing. So you tonight, the believer, there is a new law working within you. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it's a law... It's a life law, not a death law. It's a faith law, not a fear law. It's a love law, not a hate law. It's a righteous law, not a condemnation law. It's a hope law, not a despair law. It's a success law, not a failure law. That's what abundant life is. And it's in every one of us tonight who knows Christ. It's the law of life that can only be found in Christ Jesus. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. You may not have very much of this life's things, but if you've got the law of the spirit of life in you, then that's abundant life according to the scriptures. And then we should live accordingly an abundant life. Every need supplied Everything that we need in this life, we can find it through Jesus Christ. Everything. Love, happiness, supply, healing, whatever we need. It's in Christ Jesus, the one who gives abundant life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you paid the ultimate price you went to your death on the cross so that we might have life. That we may have this abundant life. That we may have this Zoe life, the very life of God working in us. And so we thank you for the power of it. We thank you that it helps us overcome temptation. It helps us win in the battles and the struggles of life. For Lord, this is a real life and there's real battles and real struggles. But thank you for giving us this life that we can overcome these things and be victorious in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless your church tonight. Help us to see who we are in Christ. Help us to see that we are victors in Jesus. That the war has been won. That the enemy has been defeated that the enemy is eternally forever defeated. And Lord, that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And we thank you for that. And one day you're coming soon for those who know you and love you. And we bless you. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us this new life in Christ. We've been forever changed. And we're grateful tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.